This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Geekscape is it's time for a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host, and every Geekscape we like to talk about movies, video games, comic books, TV, all the pop culture talk that is, uh, you know, that fits into a roughly an hour episode. If you think these episodes are too long, feel free to give me an, uh, an email. Send me an email at jonathan at geekscape.net and be like, hey, there's too much geek conversation uh, you know, I listen on my lunch break or I listen on my way to work or I listen while I'm uh, walking my dog and there's just too much geek talk to fit into, uh, my walk or my work or whatever you do. I don't know what y'all do. So send me an email at jonathangeekscape.net if you think that, uh, these episodes are too long or if you think the conversation can go a little bit longer. I don't know anything about y'all, but I do know that we're live. We're on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitch, all that stuff, and uh, go ahead and uh, join the chat if you haven't already. Matt Kelly jumped in and he said they need to be longer. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. I, uh, I, I, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't do an episode last week because I found myself going through the weekend two weekends ago, and I said, "Hey, buddy, what do you want to talk about?" This is me talking to myself in my head. Do y'all do y'all do this? Do you have your voices inside of your head? I have about eighteen of them, and I said, um, "Jonathan." what do you want to do for Geekscape this week? And I said, you know what? I, I don't want to do anything for Geekscape this week. I, I feel like there's so much that's already been talked about. That being said, whoa, what a week to take off. Uh, we got a brand new Amazing Spider-Man, number one. That was a great issue. We'll be talking about that. Uh, we're looking at Doctor Strange 2 in the Multiverse of Madness. That we got to think of some predictions for that one. We'll be having a special about that in about a week. And uh, what else happened? Neil Adams died, legendary artist. And Neil Adams. Um, oh, yeah. Moon Knight episode five. That was crazy. So, yes, it, it was not a good week to take off last week. And my apologies if you uh, were checking the podcast app and being like, hey, where, where's where's my Geekscape? Nobody was doing that. Yes, you were. Um, my apologies if you were looking for Geekscape last week. And ultimately, I was like, hey, let's not do a show if you're not feeling it, Jonathan. You do weekly shows and you've been doing them for 15 years with barely a break. And last week was one of those ones where I said, hey, they don't need it. All right. We're back and we have tons of stuff to talk about. Uh, my good buddy, Derek Cranevelt from Geekscape Games and Xbox Game Passengers on the Geekscape Network is here to talk uh, things over with me. And we've also got my ward, uh, Garrett Briones. He is the host of Masters of the Media. That's the name of it. I'm kidding with you, Garrett. You'll be on the show soon enough to defend yourself and probably defeat me for uh, the title of you know, head of Geekscape. Okay. Lots to talk about, lot to get to. Uh, let's just get to it. Here's Geekscape. 
right, Geekscapers, let's get to it. There's not a lot of time here. Um, on the subject of whether or not the show should be longer, uh, Jim Pagranelli says, Jonathan, no one is complaining about your length. Oh, ouch. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, if you can't take the licks, don't go on Geekscape. Uh, all right. Matt Kelly says, the good news is, if you don't do a podcast for any given week, there are 19 other shows on the podcast network that you can check out. And that is true. We have 20 shows that are active on the Geekscape network, and they range from everything from music to pro wrestling to TV shows to filmmaking. They're just I'm really, really proud of the work that Matt has done here at the Geekscape network. Um, and you know what? If there's something you want to see that we're not delivering and you're like, hey, I need more podcasts. Nobody's saying that. If you're like, I need more podcasts, again, send me an email, jonathangeekscape.net. And uh, maybe you want to host a podcast here uh, for Geekscape. Uh, one thing that's really cool is that we have a Geekscape book club and our good friend Christian uh, hosts it. And uh, yesterday they did a live one right here on this YouTube channel, if you're watching on YouTube, and they were talking about uh, Jason Aaron and Chris Pachalo's, um Doctor Strange run. Uh, it's probably not what the movie is based on. It's a really cool run. Um, and I suggest you going and checking out that video and watching what they had to say about it. It's a run that I really enjoyed. The artwork, the artwork is insane. And it's a, it's a really fun, mind-bendy Doctor Strange uh, story that is pretty recent. So if you're kind of getting like the Doctor Strange mood, going into Multiverse of Madness. Uh, that's a really cool uh, storyline to check out. So that is right here on the YouTube channel if you're on here. Um, all right, let's get to it. I myself have some thoughts about Doctor Strange 2. I have not seen it, but I do have some predictions. So let's go ahead and play a game here. I'm going to invite my buddy Derek Krenevelt, host of the Xbox Game Passengers podcast, and uh, Garrett Briones, who is uh, the host of the Masters of the Media podcast here on Geekscape. And I think let's start out, guys, by talking about some Doctor Strange 2 predictions. I have my Thursday tickets. Ian Kerner and I will be on the channel to talk about Doctor Strange 2. Uh, but going into Doctor Strange, or as Garrett says, Gok, your, your name here, if you're watching this on video, is Garrett has his uh, name as Gokter Grange. Let's leave the jokes to me. All right, so <laughs> my title. So it's your title. So let's talk about a little bit about. Uh, we have not seen the movie, so these are not spoilers. But let's talk a little bit about what we think m we might see when we go to watch uh, Doctor Strange two this week. I have my predictions. I have a pretty big prediction actually that I think is pretty likely. Is it likely because um, you read all the spoilers that are uh, going around? The no, it's, right it's not. It's not. It's not. Um, I'm. I'm actually like hiding keywords in Twitter. Yeah. 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 So I think that's the move. Is like you have to mute keywords to make sure, like Doctor Strange the timeline. Never done oh, it before. I did it for this for sure. And I'm also yeah, like I muted Wordle. <laughs> oh my gosh, Dude, that's 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 genius. I wish I did that. Yeah, I'm gonna be like a week. It'll be a week from when it comes out before I can see the movie as well, because mm. Michaela's going to be away for a bit, um, my partner. And so I'm like, there's no way I get to it without seeing some spoilers for sure. Okay, so we do. We again, we haven't seen the movie, but let's talk a little bit about what we think might happen in it. Garrett, you are uh, you're my ward. Yes, you are the one who uh, I think will take over Geekscape upon my mysterious death, uh, probably at your hands. Um, I know Matt Kelly wants it, but 
He's, he's got enough busy on his running plate, like 50 other podcasts. He's got enough on his plate. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. Um, Garrett, why don't you start us off? You're pretty uh, uh, in the know on comic books. Mm-hmm. What do you think is, having seen a couple of the trailers, what do you think is going to happen in Doctor Strange 2? And these can just be bullet points. Like, what do you think we're going to see? How's America Chavez going to be introduced? Mm-hmm. Or who's going to be the big bad, um, et cetera, et cetera. Or maybe like, who's in the Illuminati? Who's not in the Illuminati? Are the Illuminati even in the movie? Okay. Uh, well, I haven't, having seen none of the trailers, um, but I know that, you know, I know what the story is about. Even though I avoid trailers like the plague, I still know a lot of the, the general shape. And with this one, something I think is very interesting is even though they have teased some things and there have been the same amount of trailers and TV spots, um, I feel like they really haven't said what the movie is. Like, even if you read the synopsis, it, there's no clear like Doctor Strange is going to do this and then he's going to do that. Like, I think they are very much holding their their cards close to their vest. Uh, and, you know, we know that there's going to be Defender Strange, uh, a variant of Doctor Strange. And we know that there's going to be, uh, as he's been coined, Sinister Strange. Um, and, you know, we know that Patrick Stewart is showing up as some version of Professor Xavier. Um, for me, I... I don't necessarily know if I have any predictions. I, I don't want to say the one that uh, you you were talking about, London, that you talked to us a little bit earlier. But for yeah. me, I'm I think I'm very much interested to see what the antagonistic force in this movie really is. Is it just Sinister Strange? Is it just Baron Mordo on his quest to rid everything of uh, you know uh, of all sorcerers? It, is there something that they are keeping close to their vests and? I know that for myself, the thing I'm most excited for in this movie, yes, I'm excited for the, to use a wrestling term, the the cheap pops, you know, where you, you cheer because you see, oh my gosh, they brought back Young Grufford as Mr. Fantastic or something. <laughs> that, that's, uh, <laughs> That'd be um, hilarious. I would oh, look, it's Dolph Lundgren yeah. as the Punisher. <laughs> exactly. Um, but for myself, the thing I'm most looking forward to is how Doctor Strange, uh, our main Doctor Strange, interacts with his variants, because I thought that was the most interesting thing about um, Loki, which was show run by Michael Waldron, who wrote this movie. I think that's going to be the most exciting multiversal stuff because it's going to challenge our Stephen Strange and his ideologies and his life and look at his decisions. Um, so I necessarily don't have any predictions, but I'm predicting that's what I'm going to enjoy the most from this movie. I think I agree with you on that one. Like uh, you, we know that that is going to happen in the film. We've mm-hmm. seen in the one trailer, at least we've seen some version of Dr. Strange. We've seen a zombie strange, uh, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I think that being the headstrong person that he is, that is Dr. Strange's character trait and his way is the right way. Seeing a deviation where his way is not the right way and he is turned into a corrupted version of himself for whatever reasons um i I think i agree with you that was a really good note that the the same writer as loki so let's see what happens what were you gonna say derek yeah i was just gonna say i wonder like do you guys think that like it just seems like there's gonna be potentially so many cameos or so many you know (laughs) so, so many different universes obviously with the multiverse thing going on do you think that how much of that do you think like has a meaningful impact on the Marvel universe as a whole. And how much of it do you think it will just be like, Oh, there's Patrick Stewart. And like, it just doesn't mean anything um, in the end. Like how much of it's going to stick, how much of it's going to stick. Like, and is this a way to introduce the X-Men or is it just like, you know, is it just like fun cameos? Because obviously everyone loved 
you know, seeing all of the, like in Far From Home, which obviously these were in development at the same time. No way like, home. No way home. Yeah, everyone loved that stuff. And is it just like, do they just pack as much in as possible? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I, as far as the stickiness of what happens in this movie with the multiverse, I think ultimately Marvel's done a pretty good job of letting us know that uh, there's a handful of times, like in Black Panther, you kind of had to watch Civil War to see kind of the inciting incident of Black Panther's father being killed by Claw. Hmm. Like that was the first 15, 20 minutes of that film. And you kind of had to know what had happened hmm. in Civil War in order to enjoy the first 15, 20 minutes of Black Panther and kind of be up to speed. And more people saw Black Panther than saw in theaters Civil War. Hmm. I mean, sure, people saw it on Blu-ray uh, and online. But um, Marvel, what I'm saying, does a pretty good job of packaging these films so that if you haven't seen Doctor Strange 1 or the hours and days worth of Marvel films before this, you kind of know sitting down that you're going to get a, a condensed, like a one story. I believe that what happens in the movie, here's my prediction. And I, and I, and so saying that, I think that only a few things will be sticky and, and let turn into things for the other films. Mm -hmm. Granted characters will be set up. America Chavez is clearly going to be set up. Uh, Maybe members of the Illuminati. I believe the members of the Illuminati may be another multiverse though. And we may not, it may be like, Oh, they're from the Fox dimension we're going to do our own xavier hey. give us time <laughs> strange because see clear- they don't have enough movies emulated. to develop yeah. right yeah because so. i mean i mean clearly the fantastic like we just lost the fantastic four director and that movie may get pushed so uh we see things like ant-man 3's release date being switched around so marvel's stuff is still shifting and i would i wouldn't assume to think that like the plans for the x-men are set in stone or yet i mean everything shifts that being said, I think that the film will involve Mordo continuing to attack sorcerers. And by doing that, he's probably going to attack the Ancient One's training ground in Tibet, which I think we've seen in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen sorcerers training and we see them get attacked. That's the place that has like you're, the nice you're ruining the movie tile roofs and things like that. Oh, I, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think in doing so... I think Wong, who is the Sorcerer Supreme, that we learned he was the Sorcerer Supreme in No Way Home, uh, I think Wong is going to be the inciting incident. I think we're going to lose Wong pretty early on in the movie. That being said, it's a comic book movie. Does anybody really die? <laughs> um, but I think that what either whatever happens with Wong, he dies, gets lost in the multiverse, whatever happens... You know, Steven is defeated really early on in the movie. Hmm. The multiverse has been ripped open. Uh, and Mordo is a result of that. Maybe Mordo's early weapon is a deviant of Doctor Strange. And now Doctor Strange has been put in shackles. He's being put up on charges on some multiversal court. Who knows what happens? I'm just making stuff up now. But the whole point of the movie is how do I bring Wong back? How do I seal up the multiverse? And how do I defeat Mordo? Wanda has to play a big part of that because Wanda is reading through the Darkhold. And Wanda also has vision in two kids who she lost in the WandaVision series, who she's also probably interested in bringing back through the multiverse. So if the movie is about Doctor Strange and Wanda trying to figure out how to bring back Wanda's kids and family and maybe bring back Wong or some version of that, then I can see that happening. And then maybe by the end of the movie, all those things are happy Dory. Hmm. Uh, maybe not, but uh, m- maybe the movie ends on a downer and Mordo's the, the Sorcerer Supreme. Maybe it ends with Steven being Sorcerer Supreme again, but I don't think 
Wong's going to be Sorcerer Supreme past the 15, 20 minute mark of this film. Mm. Uh, that's just my prediction. But I'm also the person who jokingly said that Whedon was going to kill Coulson in Avengers. And guess what? It happened. <laughs> so <laughs> I got a lot of flack on Twitter for that one. Uh, Richard Roy says, I think the MCU we know is a bubble universe created to imprison the Scarlet Witch. That is the truth Xavier wants strange to know. The entire Marvel universe is about to be actually introduced. Oh, crap. The one with the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. I also think Doom is in the Illuminati. Oh, my God. My eyeballs in my brain would explode. <laughs> and those are Doom bots, not Ultron bots. Oh, Richard Roy, you know how to talk to me, baby. Uh, Doom could be the infamous Iron Man since there's no Tony Stark anymore. They're not. And now Jim Pogadali's jumping in and saying, (laughs) speaking of the Darkhold, the Montesi formula is in the book. And this is how we get uh, a lead into Blade in establishing vampires in the MCU. You guys are making me proud with your (laughs) deep cut references. I love that. Maybe the dark hold in this film is how we introduce vampires into this current MCU. Maybe this current MCU is being built around as a prison to Wanda. I think that one's a little tough. I think that they intend to keep the MCU pretty clean. And again, making it so you don't have to necessarily five years from now having to have to have seen Dr. Strange too, to know what was happening in whatever phase we were dealing with then. So I like it. I like, I like some of the suggestions here, folks. Um, I do know this. I've got tickets for Thursday and I've got <laughs> tickets for Saturday. That's my prediction that I'm going, this is, this is my prediction. This is my actual prediction that you can take to the bank folks on Dr. Strange too. Jonathan's going to get a large diet Coke. <laughs> He's also going to sit down with this big, Big tub of popcorn and Heidi is going to be butter, like, hey, you get that butter layered or just uh, there's going to be a little bit of butter yeah, on it. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of butter. And Heidi uh, is going to be like, hey, um, I would like some popcorn. And I'll be like, well, then that's great. You know where the concessions are. You just go down there and get yourself some popcorn <laughs> and, I, and I'm going to eat it. I know that Ian during the, the screening on Thursday is going to be whispering. Oh, that's this. That's this. <laughs> He's going to be whispering that in my ear. So it's hopefully like me watching Hi- Sonic Heidi, Heidi has to sit between Ian and I. So I don't catch that crap. Uh, and then um, we're gonna sit through the, the you know the, the 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 credits. That'll be great. And then Saturday, I'm gonna go see it at the Chinese Theater with our good friend Cooper Barnes, and I'll be the one who knows what's happening. <laughs> then I'm gonna get I'm gonna get large popcorn again, large diet coke, and you know what? Let's get fancy. Some milk duds. Ooh. That is my prediction for Doctor Strange too. Jonathan's going to have a stomach illness by the end of the weekend. <laughs> that's guaranteed, folks. Take that one to the bank. Jonathan's going to be yakking by the end of the weekend. So that's my Doctor Strange two prediction. That's the one you can definitely be like, oh yeah, Kevin Feige didn't didn't count on that, did he? Um, all right, Geeks gave us. If you have any suggestions for what you think might be in Doctor Strange two, throw it up there. And Ian and I are already kind of figuring out when we're going to do our Doctor Strange special. I think it'll be. Over the weekend, it may be this time next week on Monday, because we also have to talk about a little friend of ours called Moon Knight. Moon Knight wraps up this week, and we've got Moon Knight Episode 5 to talk about. This is the one that aired this past weekend, uh, this past week. And I'll tell you what, I watched it twice, because the first time I watched it, it kind of didn't work for me. Hmm. Um, I was thrown, I'll admit it. I was thrown a bit by uh, the end of Episode 4. You know, I wasn't a big fan of like the Indiana Jones, Tomb Raider kind of stuff that was happening in episode four. That being said, I was definitely thrown by the ending of episode four where uh, Mark and 
to even show up in like a hospital, <laughs> in like a mental ward. And they're running around and things are kind of weird. And it's clearly a mindscape. Episode five completely takes place in a mindscape. And not even a mindscape. It's a it's an afterlife. We've seen afterlifes in the Marvel Universe. We've seen them in um, Black Panther. Uh, here we have another afterlife, an Egyptian afterlife. And I, I kind of wanted the move of like, hey, wait, how is this stopping the bad guy? And I think that was my problem with episode five the first time I watched it was, wait, 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 guys, how is this stopping the bad guy? This is the fifth episode of six. I need the plot to continue. I don't want to halt things just so that we can do a little bit of character backstory. I would, I, I need that a little bit earlier. And so I really wasn't feeling episode five. That being said, and I'll reiterate it when Ian and I do our special, um, I watched it again later. This is my favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely my favorite episode. Uh, Jim Pellegrinelli is jumping in the chat and saying episode five felt a whole lot like an episode of Legion. That is what Heidi said, which also used mental hospitals to set uh, to, as a setting to a great extent. And uh, yeah, episode five, it deals almost entirely with Mark creating the Steven persona. It was beautiful. It was really dramatic. It was really sad. Um, and there were some really awesome shout outs to things that were set up in episode one, two, three, and four. And I got to tell you when young Mark says later Gators or young, you know, his brother, you know, in the flashback, I was like, Oh my God, this is so tragic and so sad. And I see where this is going. And I think this episode is really an example of how tightly written this stuff is. Uh, is it confusing? Yes. Does it hold your hand? No. Does that mean it's not good? Absolutely not. Like if you got to watch Midnight twice, watch Midnight twice because on the second viewing of episode five, it clearly it definitely became my favorite episode. What were your thoughts on episode five, guys? Uh, well, Derek I has seen it, yes. Uh, uh, so for me, I I was in from the first viewing. Um, I, I mentioned I think in my last uh, time here. This episode especially uh, pulls a lot from, uh, at least kind of in its structure, it pulls a lot from the 2017 uh, Jeff Lemire, Greg Smallwood, Jordi Belair run on the character, which is about 14 issues. Um, that that whole, book's whole thing is uh, it starts you, and Mark Spector is in a mental institute, and they tell you everything you ever knew about Moon Knight was all fake. Uh, you were never Moon Knight. Stephen Grant never existed. Jake Lockley never existed. Moon Knight is nothing. Mister Knight is nothing like that. And he's just every character he's ever interacted with are all fellow people in the ward, like in, that we saw in episode four and five. Um, and it's a deconstruction of Moon Knight and the idea of Mark Spector and all of his personalities. And in that book as well, um, the circumstances aren't the same, but he. Uh, he becomes friends with Stephen Grant as a young child who kind of is a coping mechanism for him. Um, and I, I've really enjoyed this series. Um, uh, I will say some of the Disney plus series uh, for the MCU have been very, the structure, it, it doesn't always work for me. Uh, I, I always end up enjoying the whole picture. I just think some of the, like for example, with uh, Moon Knight, as much as I do love it, um, I don't love that, you know, they, they keep hinting at a third personality and we're five episodes in and we still don't, I, I just don't want that to be a little ham-fisted in the final episode if there's some reveal or something, but I have faith in them. But uh, I really love this episode as a, 
um, a way to because Marvel has been trying recently, especially at post phase one and a little post phase two to try and get around doing a traditional origin story. We saw a little bit of this with Shang-Chi where we're kind of thrown into the thick of things and then flashbacks help inform what the origin was. Um, and I felt like this episode was a good way of not only uh, raising the personal stakes, but also kind of saying, if you need the origin story, this is what it is. This is how he became Moon Knight. This is what it means to him. And, you know, I have to say, uh, I really do like how... Um, this series has really gone out of its way to make Stephen Grant a as much of a person as possible at, to the point where you could argue he's spent so much time with Stephen Grant. Stephen Grant is a fully fleshed out person, even though he always lives within Mark Spector. Um, so that the moment at the end when he finds out my whole life is a lie, it hits so that when he you know dies at the end, it hits because he did live a valid life. He had a valid uh, claim to being a living person. And he loses all that in, you know, in sake of saving Mark. And I have no idea where the finale is going to go. He doesn't have Konshu yet. Uh, you know, we don't know. He's, I'm pretty sure he's going to get him back. Well, he's going Just to. But the, the, the thing is, this finale is the shortest episode. It's only about 42 minutes or so. Uh, that's Whoa. what I was hearing. Uh, is that It's only about and minutes. Uh, you have a lot of wrap up to do. You got to get him back to the land of the living. Yes. Just- and uh, and you're right. You got to reconnect it with Kanchu. Um, and in the chat, Big Yanks is saying, "Hey, wait, who's in the sarcophagus?" And Katie Elsesser, who always is there and reliable, says it's probably Jake. And we t- we mentioned Jake Lockley, which is the third uh, one uh, personality that Mark has running in his head. And we have not seen Jake Lockley in the series up to this point, or have we? There are a couple of rumors online that are like, hey, wait, it, like he has a broken nose in one of the sequences in the mental hospital. Mm-hmm. What if that's Jake Lockley? His voice is also different to Mark. as well. And his voice scene. is like a New York accent and it's a bit different. So um, have we seen Jake? Have we not? Is Jake Lockley the the is Jake Lockley going to step in because there's no Steven anymore and he's the person who's going to start whipping the most ass because he's a killer like unrelenting most violent version of moon knight who knows um that being said is there a season two (laughs) are we gonna see moon knight uh you know join up with other maybe street level defenders type characters as they start to reintegrate themselves into the mcu when maybe the netflix characters start to return um there are a lot of questions i have we will explore this stuff with ian on a special i'm thinking that's going to probably be friday or saturday of this week uh but damn we have moon knight ending and Doctor Strange 2 hitting on one week. So those of you who were like, hey, I missed my Geekscape last week, you might be getting three <laughs> by this time next week, and this is just the first one. So uh, I hope you like the the nerd talk. Um, Katie agrees with you uh, on that one, uh, Garrett. She says, agreed. I hope the third personality is not like ham-fisted in the final episode. She's expecting it, but... Um, who knows? We'll see. I don't think it would be a bad stinger either. Mm-hmm. If there's a guarantee of, a, of another season or Mark Spector showing up later on, I don't think that a, a Jake Lockley stinger would be a bad idea either. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, um, you've seen nothing yet. Or maybe a return of the Steven persona, because obviously, like, quote unquote, when he's a aspect of your mental condition and they die, well, it just takes a little bit of cracking again and they're back. Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
All right. All right. Let's uh, let's get this together. Okay. Uh, Matt Kelly says, Bingetown TV, another podcast here on the network, mentioned that the show was submitted for a single series Emmy, so we probably won't be getting a season two. Yeah. Well, you should be listening to Bingetown TV. That's a pretty cool little factoid there. That being said, uh, does not mean Moon Knight will not be coming back to the MCU. He can obviously be jumping around all sorts of other shows. And uh, I don't think we're going to be done with Marvel stuff anytime soon. <laughs> I think we're, no. I think, I think we got ourselves a lot of Marvel coming down the pike. Uh, I mean, damn, there's a Thor movie in two months. There's <laughs> going to be a lot of Marvel folks. I think we're going to be Marvel. okay on the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. And yeah, um, I think, did y'all see it's something that might affect Yeah. We do have a Miss Marvel show, but something that's maybe affecting the Marvel's, movie that's like captain marvel monica rambo and miss marvel the next dc plus or disney plus mcu show is uh they're trying to make this fast x this fast and the furious movie and did you see like justin lynn who's directed already like six of these things or five of these things he left after a week because the rumor is online vin diesel was difficult and he showed up late to set and he was out of shape those are just rumors vin allegedly allegedly i don't want to get beat up but that being said like we'd heard about this trouble with the rock working with him uh and uh justin lynn's been replaced by louis leterrier who like you marvel fans know because he did the ed norton incredible hulk uh he also did a couple car movies he did a car movie called uh what's the one he did with um, jason statham the transporter that's a louis leterrier movie uh, I think he's a serviceable director. Um, if you're in a pinch as Marvel uh, as Universal was, I think they were losing a million dollars plus a day holding people while they weren't shooting anything. I think they were just shooting second unit. Uh, you got to replace this guy pretty quick if Justin Lin just up and leaves like a week into production. Like people need to keep shooting second unit. Things need to keep happening. But you've got actors standing by too. Um, they had to get somebody in there quick. I think Louis Terrier is a a, a really serviceable director. I think he's great. He clearly can do car chase and action right. sequences. We've seen him do a ton of this stuff. Um, I have faith that he's going to deliver a pretty good movie. Um, as far as the fast movies go, which you may argue has your <laughs> bit. I don't know, man. I used to movie, I, a good movie delivered. <laughs> I, I remember when the, the series, you know, f- like fast and furious for whatever the second one was called out too fast or furious. Um, I remember like, thinking I was like too good for them at that point and be like, like I watch real movies and stuff. And then like ignoring the series for years. And then like a few years ago, like binge them all. And I fucking love it so much. Like, it's just so absurd and like irreverent and like so much. Fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And they just keep getting more and more and more preposterous. Um, yeah. Which made me, I, I was sad, sad to see Justin Lin leave and, and uh, Hollywood reporter actually had a, pretty in-depth article today Mm. just this afternoon about what happened and apparently there was a big argument between lynn and vin diesel and it was um in regards to the script and and lynn essentially thought that there are scripts there are scripts for this (laughs) yeah yeah so they had a major disagreement um apparently had a big meeting uh and vin diesel came to the set to shoot with notes on the script at that point basically and and it led to a big argument and uh um, ending with a slammed slammed door, and apparently Justin Lin said that the movie wasn't worth his mental health, and so 
Um, so he dropped at that point and, um, which is sad to see, cause I feel like he's carried the, you know, he's not carried, but he's been a part of the franchise for so long now and, and the franchise is wrapping up at this point. And so, um, to not have him be able to kind of see it off, it's a little bit sad, but, um, but yeah, it, you know, I think we'll, with, with who they picked, um, which apparently was their first choice for replacement, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get some good car chases out of it for sure. Yeah. So Matt Kelly's got it right. He said, Hey, that's no way to treat family. I'm guessing, <laughs> I'm guessing Justin wasn't family. Did you see, you saw that, that Instagram story that, uh, <laughs> Vin Diesel posted with Justin Lin in the background. Yes. And it kind of looks like a yes. proof of life yeah. hostage video. Yeah. It's like, Oh, okay. Somebody looks uncomfortable in the background. Um, but you got to make a hype video mm. when you're on set trying to hype up the fans for the, 10th installment of the core Fast and Furious movies. Um, you know what? I'm of the opinion that these things can keep going forever. You know, I don't, I mean, other than, I mean, if Vin Diesel is difficult, I can see why they're ending them, but I don't know why you don't just like try and make something on a smaller scale with the Tyrese right. character or with all the characters like well, the MCU. Like, why well, is this not they tried Universal's that. MCU? They tried that and it didn't make as much as they wanted to, so right. we're not going <laughs> to That be... movie was tight, though. It was. I, I, I personally like Hobbs and Shaw and it also... Uh, not only is, you know, that was kind of their way to say, Rock, we love you. Don't don't leave us. You, you get your own franchise. And he even took in that movie. He takes he took Chris Morgan, the writer of the most of the Fast and Furious mm-hmm. movies who did not write any version of nine. Uh, he took him and now he's become a rock guy. And so that kind of shows further splintering of the family. Um, I, I was really looking forward to, uh, you know, uh, Justin Lin staying on, having directed five of the other films. Uh, he is in many ways, the heart and soul of, of the franchise. Cause I mean, you know, John Singleton did a good job with too fast and furious, you know, James Wan had an, uh, unprecedented, you know, a really, he was dealt a very tough hand with his fast and furious movie. And I thought he did a great job with furious seven, you know, dealing with the death of Paul Walker and making this beautiful, um, tribute to him as a man and as a person. Um, and I was looking forward to this because I wanted to see, you know, wrap this up nicely. Vin can go off and go make 50 more Riddick movies just for me and my <laughs> friend Tristan. I love Riddick. I will I will talk about Riddick all day. Uh, go make more Witch Hunters. Go do whatever you want to do. Uh, you know, his pyramid scheme of all these movies. What? F. Gary Gray, I think, did eight or seven. He did. Uh, he One, did eight. He did Fate of the Furious, eight. which some see as a you know, I, I like ideas in Fate of the Furious, but that is a movie that is mired in you can tell the two leads of this movie do not want to be in scenes together. And so the movie suffers <laughs> for it. Uh, and it, it's they literally make Vin a bad guy. For yeah. Well, because they have to get him away uh, and the rock right. won't be the bad guy. So, you know, you have to write all around all that. Uh, and it just, you know, there's moments that work in it. Uh, but I, I, I'm, ex- I'm interested to see, um, you know, as you said, uh, they, they definitely chose someone that, you know, he knows how to make a slick movie, knows how to make a stylish movie, knows how to uh, do all these things. I just, the only thing that is um, because they, these movies, they basically make as this article that Derek was talking about, they basically, they write the action sequences first and Vin uh, allegedly uh, signs off no, on they them. Do that for all the, he, he checks well, off I mean, whether he wants them or not. Yeah. And I just, you know, I don't know. I hope that maybe some, you know, some style gets to be brought from, you know, it's not just, Hey, just shoot the camera while Vin will tell you what to do. I hope it's, you know, 
he gets to bring some of his own style and flair right. to some of these action scenes. It's not just look, we just need someone to, you know, be there. Cause that's, I, I, that's a very diminishing role for a director of his stature to have. I hope he gets to bring some of his style and flair to it. But Jurassic world, all these films, like they, these, they, you have to do the special effects in this big sequences earlier because they have to go right into the computer and they have to start getting visualized. So the previous stuff and the rumor about Jurassic world was that on that one, they were, kind of looking for somebody to just kind of handle the acting and the blocking because the big sequences were already off to the printers and, and started to get uh, put together. That stuff has to happen like a year. It has to start a year before actors are in charge. And that's not just anybody. That's not just getting some kid straight out of film school to handle that stuff. Uh, the subway sequence, which I thought was incredible in Spider-Man 2, we all think is incredible in Spider-Man 2, that, that above-trained subway sequence with Doc Ock, they were shooting the plates for that in Chicago what a year before mm. the principal's photography started up six months before principal photography started up on uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man two. So those big sequences with the effects they have, I mean, they have so many people working on them and so much computer crunch time happening mm. that those things have to, they have to uh, lead principal photography for a bit. And sometimes it does mean happening without really the director <laughs> even being a part of it. Um, okay. So, I'm going to go ahead and put another prediction here. When I watch Fast Ten, I'm going to have a big popcorn. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I think that there. I think I don't think this is clearly, clearly, clearly the end. This is the end of my English speaking ability. But I think that we're we are going to see additional fast movies. This may be the last fast movie with Dominic Toretto. I. But I think that this is going to be. I think we will see the characters continue. Sure, yeah. Some I would say after watching F9. I think they have the they they cast young versions of all those characters, mm. and I I don't think it's a coincidence that even there's some characters that were cast for blink and you'll miss it moment like two seconds like there's a young Mia. Um, I would mm. not be surprised, uh, especially with how well received. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name that played uh, you know young Dom. Um, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if they do like a young Dom trilogy, like using those exact actors. I that's one of the biggest things coming out of F nine with how much of those, those flashbacks they used in that movie. I would not be surprised if they did like a, uh, you know, cause that, that way you don't have to worry about constantly referencing the character of Brian O'Connor. You don't have to worry about, Oh, well, where's Hobbs? Where's shot? You, you can do, you kind of in that way. Also, you can finally make the people that have been saying the same joke for like the last 10 years of, I remember these movies used to be about cars. It was so <laughs> funny when you said it the first 17 times. Okay. Um, but so you can, they can have that and they can go, you know, they can stop retiring. They can retire their old joke. Like it's a Jersey and put it up and just go make some other kind of joke. Someone can make the opposite. I remember these were superhero movies. There you go. That's in my, I'm going to disagree with you on a little, I agree that that might happen. That joke is not funny. Yes, I agree. That joke is not funny. (laughs) And and it will not go away. No one's hanging that up. (laughs) I'm going to say that we're going to get a different continuation of the series in a splinter, um, franchise. I mean, the 10th one could presents. be like a multiverse thing. So it could just be no. like. <laughs> I think we're going to have John Cena carry a, at least another mm-hmm. film. That's beyond Fast London, 10. Do you know I mean, what his John name Cena is? is so bankable. Do you know what his name is? His character name? <laughs> no, but it's uh, Jacob no, Toretto uh, with a K. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's let's get a Jacob Toretto thing starting out. No, his name is John Cena. Just like it's like the, no, the character's name. Is, like Hobbs' name is the, the Rock. Like you mean Luke it's Hobbs? the Rock. Yeah. It, it's the Hobbs. It's, it's the Rock. Tej Parker. I know you know what the name is. Letty. But 
Listen, hold on. Matt Kelly's adding another show to the network right now. I, can't get <laughs> uh, I know you know what the name is, but people really just when need are they to bring John Cole Hauser Cena. back. Come on. Oh, uh, man. Cole, Cole Hauser is tight. Yellowstone's uh, the biggest talking show on TV. About, talking about Cole Hauser, he was in another Vin Diesel And film. he was in Pitch Black. Yeah, he was. Uh, the Reddick movies, you know how he, they got the third Reddick film, right? Uh, it wasn't it. It was. Uh, I've heard the story, but now I can't remember. It's like okay. Almost so uh, Justin Lin had shot Tokyo Drift, and they thought it was great. I that thing was it, supposed yes. to go straight to video, and they were like, "No, this is actually a better movie than straight to video, but it needs a tag." And the tag at the end of that movie is when you have yeah. Dominic Toretto pull up for a race in the post credit scene. He went ahead and did that for free as long as Universal yes. gave the rights to Riddick. And so he could keep doing Riddick <laughs> movies and he made another Riddick movie and you didn't show up. So that's on you fans. He said that fourth one is going to happen. I don't okay. I, give me it. I want, give me more of the fury and race. Give me more of it. I need all of it. Bring Katie Sackoff back. Let's do this. She was playing doll in uh pitch and Riddick. <laughs> sorry. Give me, just bring it back. Come on. Come on, man. Okay. You got enough money. <laughs> I want more Riddick. Well, Make another uh, Riddick game. I, I, give me it. I will tell you one thing that uh, did come out of Justin Lin exiting Fast and Furious that I thought was pretty cool uh, was that a lot of people were giving attention to Better Luck Tomorrow, his first film, that I think is really great. Um, a lot of people were online saying, oh, no, Justin Lin, we all love him. And obviously, you know him from the Fast and Furious movies. But you got to check out Better Luck Tomorrow, which mm, is yes. an overlooked indie Um that, I think that movie was a 2004 indie film, and it's great. You should definitely check that one out if you haven't seen it. Um, also, technically, I was a pretty happy to Tokyo Drift. Technically, yeah. Well, it's got the it's got a couple got of the Han, same actors. Han Solo but, so. is in it. There you go. Um, all right, we got some somber news here. Geese gave us uh, Neil Adams, who is a legendary. I think he goes on the. Uh, I think Neil Adams goes on the Mount Rushmore of comic book artists. Uh, Neil Adams passed away this past week. Um, Neil Adams, to me, when I think of Neil Adams, I think of him as my Batman artist. Uh, he did the gray and blue Batman. Um, he did the old Denny O'Neill uh, written stories in the DC universe that was through the 70s. And think about like late 60s, Batman's kind of thought of as like the Adam West Batman I think the only reason we have Gritty Batman, the Batman of Dark Knight Returns of the 80s, is because Neil Adams gave it drew Batman with a level of seriousness um, in re- in reality that I think was uh, was redeeming it. I think it, I think he's the guy who took Batman out of the Golden Silver Age and gave him a more modern look. And Neil Adams died this past week, and it's kind of sad. I met him a few times, mainly at like New York Comic Con. Uh, he was always at the cons. Really approachable, really easy to talk to. Uh, he has a comic book store here in North Hollywood. Um, you can still visit it, but uh, yeah, it's sad. W- what are your impressions on Neil Adams, uh, Garrett? To me, he is my Batman artist. This is Batman to me. As I said on the sit down with Michael Uslan, uh, the Batman executive producer, like to me, Batman is gray and blue, and it's because of Neil Adams. Um, I think for me, uh, one of the the biggest takeaways uh, for me was uh, when I started to grow up and learn that, you know, comics there, that there were more, you know, quote unquote, mature comics. Uh, the the immediate uh, cover that comes to mind is from the Green Arrow, Green Lantern series of, you know, speedy Roy Harper shooting up. 
uh, you know, and I remember thinking like that was kind of crazy to me. And, um, and, you know, Neil was there, you know, he, he did the art for, for that run. And I remember there's so many images that have, uh, lasted, uh, from that run that are still, you know, burned into many people's minds because, you know, he wasn't just helping to find Batman. He was helping, uh, give new, give a new grounded take to the green lantern to help cement, uh, green arrow as a, as and I, this is what he has been called in the comics as a social justice warrior. That is what he is. And I think, you know, you don't get that interpretation and that uh, I would say even star making uh, run uh, if it's not for Neil Adams uh, art really, you know, striking this this place between comic book, but also realistic where you're seeing these these faces that look like people off the street that look like real humans that are. Yes, they're wearing spandex, but. You know, Hal Jordan and uh, Oliver Queen, you could say, have never looked more human, have never been more humanized than they were in his run on with both of those characters. Yeah, I think the 80s does get a lot of credit for making comics darker and more serious. And with Batman especially, we've talked about the Dark Knight Returns and Arkham Asylum and those Batman, year, year one, mm-hmm. those Batman books as being like, oh, that's the one that made Batman real. I don't think you get there without Neil Adams. I think Neil Adams pulled comics out of being kid stuff, like you said, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and saying, hey, this is growing up with us. And in the 70s, when you start having Speedy deal with drug problems and you start to see things like the war in Vietnam work their way into comics, Neil Adams treated it with a maturity, right? This is a more mature Batman. And it may seem silly saying that about a comic book character, but um, a lot of that had to do with his ability to draw and uh, and articulate those human emotions mm. in a way. Um, but also, like, the physique was way different when Neil Adams drew it than what you'd see just, you know, 10 years earlier when you'd see stuff in the Silver Age. And it wasn't as defined as the stuff that Neil Adams was doing. Mm. I think he said it best. The, this felt like real people wearing costumes. Um, and uh, Neil Adams, like, rest in peace, man. I'm going to miss seeing him at a con. Uh, we will be at San Diego Comic-Con this summer. The booth is getting together. Uh, I cannot be more stressed about what is <laughs> happening at the San Diego Comic-Con, guys. Derek, Matt, and I are having ourselves a Zoom here uh, this week to be like, hey, guys, what is the plan? Because we have not been at San Diego Comic-Con since 2019. Mm-hmm. This is There's a lot going on. I think, oh, yeah, I'm getting married this this year. There's a lot of stuff in flux. There's a lot of stressful things going on. Uh, a lot of things being planned for, and Comic-Con's one of them. So expect us to be there. We're in the same uh, place that we are. I checked today. We have the same booth, uh, 3919 on the floor that we've had for years. Um, and uh, Jonathan's got to have to go to uh, to uh, storage this week and do some inventorizing to be like, okay, like how many T-shirts do we order? Do we still have all the booth pieces? Where do the booth pieces go? It's kind of boring stuff, but Geekscape is, I want to say, like there's a lot of work that goes into running Geekscape and the team will be there at Comic-Con to say hi to you. So hopefully if you're at San Diego Comic-Con, come say hi to us, 3919. Uh, it is the highlight of our year. Um, okay. We got a lot of a lot of cool packed stuff happening this episode. We said goodbye to Neil Adams. Um, I'm going to go ahead and segue by saying hello uh, to Avatar uh, 2. Hello. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Avatar 2. I don't know, man. Avatar 2. What? I think the talk about Avatar 2 is, oh, they're actually going to do these avatars. Huh? No way, All right, man. Cool. They didn't even so change the font. Are you really? Avatar 2. Like, oh, my goodness. <clears throat> you don't bet I don't, Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I... 
that being said, I watched Avatar for the first time in years, like last year, and I was like, oh, this has aged a lot, and it doesn't look that great. But um, <clears throat> it was aging while I was sitting in the theater. <laughs> I like I have not seen a movie in theaters more times than I saw Avatar in theaters. Like, you know, I was like mm-hmm. a 19 year old kid, love new technology. So just like the mind blowing, like 3D aspect of it, like literally it was like anyone that I would talk to. It's like, have you seen Avatar? And like, no, it's like, cool. You want to go? Like, we can go tonight. And I just like had so much fun watch, both watching it, but like seeing people experience it that hadn't experienced it before. Obviously 3D is like come and gone since then. And so it would, will be, you know, I don't know if it will have that same like feeling, but I do you think that bring the, back the 3D. What's that? For Avatar 2? Avatar 2, they need... Oh, they're bringing, every yeah, Avatar movie they're bringing back... has to be 3D. Yeah, it's going to be like 3D. They're going to do the high frame rate thing that, that Peter Jackson mm-hmm. did for the Hobbit trilogy as well. Um, I don't know. I think that it's such like a an interesting and a, and a like beautiful world, and I'm excited to see that expanded. And, and you know, apparently they had to create new tech, you know, as James Cameron often does, like he had to create like some new technology so they could do the whole underwater thing because it's primarily set in or around or under the water and um you know it's called avatar the way of water so um that's going to be a big part of it but i don't know i i am stoked for it i feel like we've been waiting forever does anyone care these days probably waiting forever (laughs) like in a way you know from when they announced it like what you know years and years and years ago i was like shit i loved you know i just have whether or not the movie is that good i have so many good memories of of being around it will be impressive it will be impressive the first movie is impressive so james cameron as you said garrett you're right you can't just be like you can't dismiss and you can't bet against james cameron the bottom of the sea just for fun like he he has made two of the greatest sequels of all time i mean look i'm not the biggest avatar guy i mean i enjoy it i'm actually I haven't act funny enough. I haven't seen the whole thing start to finish. Uh, I'm actually waiting because they are going to re-release it in the theater. And I think yes. I, I never got to see it in the theater. So you were young, right? I was, I was about 10. It's just, you know, my parents sure. didn't have interest in, you know, seeing it at the time. Uh, so it's like, you know, I wasn't really able to go, but uh, I just, I, I, I don't, you know, as much as the, the man helped contribute to the Aquaman is a joke uh, thing. And I will f- never forgive him for that. Uh, because he signed off on being an entourage to make him more of a joke. I, Jim, we're gonna have a talk about that. Um, <laughs> but you, you, it's James Cameron. Like the guy, like he has more hits than misses. He's made two of the greatest sequels of all time. It's like, I, I could this be the third? Wants, if he wants his, to live uh, the rest of his sequel. life on Pandora, <laughs> let him. He could do whatever he wants. He's goaded, as the kids say. He could Jake do whatever. Sully seemed pretty happy. Yeah, you know, living on Pandora. Right. We'll, we'll, uh, okay, and he's good with water. I heard he's yes. made a couple water Spider movies. Water, yeah. Give me that Abyss 4K, yeah. baby. Come on. Okay, this is what we got to do. James, if you're listening, this is what we got to do. I know you're still working on this uh, sequel. Um, and Big Yanks is in the chat. He says, I want to mm-hmm. see this movie in 4DX. And yes, I think that you had the first movie revolutionized 3D. The new technology in theaters, that was the big uh, <clears throat> sell, at least for yeah. me on this one. And it was very impressive. I bought a 3D this TV. Around, I was like, this is going to be around forever. Oh you know, I, this time, I think we got to change things up a little more. You got to advance theater going one more time for this one. And I think you have to throw water on people. Fill the, fill the theater the with theater. water. Fill the have theater like with water. Metal like doors will it. shut over all the exits and all of a sudden your feet will start to get wet and then you'll be under the water. <laughs> yes. Solely. You'll be under we the- need water vision. Not 40X, 40 wet. Do that. Do a, do a system where we have to watch it with snorkels. And and put sharks in the theater, <laughs> something like that. 
It's like the or, like the honey I shrunk the audience thing at that the theme, yeah. the theme park where you like now we're talking. They spray you in the face and there's like smells and like a bee stings you in the yeah. back and something and you brushes can by take your, feet, your like hair tail and have sex with something. And you can do that. Um, you know, Big Yang says the ride at Disney is pretty cool. I enjoy it. That's what it, you have to have in the theater if this is going to work. Or uh, maybe have like an Amiibo unlockable. You bring an Amiibo, you unlock something in the movie. <laughs> uh, I think that that would get me to watch it uh, as a giant child. Uh, Jim Paganelli says Cameron is inventing a new speaker system which will broadcast low frequency sounds that play the brown note. It just attracts whales to the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just hearing subsonics. Okay. This is what I wanted to talk about. You hear me? You're not going to run my show, Derek. You go back to your Xbox Game Passengers and you run that show. And I got to tell you, I do love that show. So Geekscape us if you're looking for some Xbox and video game talk. Xbox Game Passengers hosted by this guy, Derek Cranevelt, right here. He's Canadian. That means he's nice. Uh, I wanted to talk about the new Amazing Spider-Man number one. Zeb Wells writes it. John Romita Jr., who's my favorite comic book artist of all time, draws it. And it hit stands this past week. And I got to tell you, Spider-Man is Spider-Man. Spider-Man has been frustrating uh, the last couple of years as they try and like put different storylines that'll kind of catch us. And they finally it's, it hasn't felt fresh in it. And I, I've had a lot of hope for Spider-Man, but the stories have never really uh, felt good. Geekscape is you're wanting to read Spider-Man this week's uh, amazing Spider-Man. Number one, Zeb Rawls writes it. John Romita Jr. artwork. I think this is an okay starting on point. Uh, if you want to That's jump on praise. this thing, yeah, I think I think I think there are some lingering mysteries uh, from the first couple pages. You do have to know a couple of the relationships. Obviously, know his relationship with Mary Jane, but you have to also know his relationship with like his ex roommates oh. and things like that um, that have carried over from the earlier runs. But that being said, I I think anybody who can pick up this issue and kind of figure things out with a little, maybe you need a Wikipedia Google or something, but uh, for the most part, this is just an enjoyable uh, comic that really sets up a lot of storylines that I think are going to give Peter Parker a lot of hell for the next, for the foreseeable future. And they're not focusing on like, Oh, how do we get the green goblin back into this as his nemesis? They're going with like a tombstone story to start things off and reestablishing Spider-Man and his relationship with Mary Jane and, uh, there's something going on with uh, with his aunt and his roommate. So this is Peter Parker down and out uh, trying to control his life. And also he's kind of keeping himself on the DL uh, too uh, in order to protect those around him. You know, he can't just go fully back into their lives uh, without messing them up and making them targets for the supervillains. Uh, what do you think of this issue, Garrett? Oh, I really dug it. Um, I thought, like, like you said, uh, it was... I, I like that we're starting at kind of ground level. You know, we're coming off of Beyond was a very, it had a lot of high highs. And by that, I mean, you know, it was, this issue is Craven. This issue is Morbius. This issue is, you know, Ben Riley is doing this. Here's the UFOs. Like, it's like so many, it was a very, and it was happening it was thrice messy. a month. And it, so it was a lot. It was a lot to take in. It was a lot of characters. It was very, very big. Um, and so I like that we are starting, we are starting ground level. You know, he's going against Tombstone, the Rose, uh, you know, we're we're starting not too crazy. We we have hints that, you know, he mentions Norman Osborn in this group of people uh, that he's running down to people that he's kind of on the outs with. He specifically mentions Norman Osborn. Um, and from some of the solicitations, I'm I like that we're grounded, 
Um, although I, I did look, I have seen the solicitations that, you know, in the Dan Slott's run ended and it was corporate Spider-Man. And that was the point is that it was the downfall of Peter Parker that he was becoming a corporate hero. We just got out of Spider-Man Beyond. Yeah. And then we just got out of Spider-Man Beyond where Ben Riley was a corporate Spider-Man. And it looks like we're getting some kind of corporate Spider-Man story coming up very soon. I think it starts in issue seven where he, there's something related to Oscorp. He gets a new goblin almost like suit. Um, but I'm, I'm very interested and I like that also we're using we're using Tombstone, we're using the Rose, and then we're seemingly building a new villain uh, that we aren't immediately going, well, it's just going to be, you know, like you said, it's not just, okay, we're, we're building right back up to Green Goblin. Uh, it's, I or like Doc that we are, Doc, we're right. trying something new, and I'm interested to see with this villain, uh, because the thing that stuck out to me the most besides, the you know, their design is their text was different. Most characters in the main Marvel Universe, their dialogue is in all capitals, his dialogue was in uppercase, lowercase. I don't think, you know, that that's that's something to note. Mostly only happens with the Ultimate Universe. I don't think, I'm not saying he's from the Ultimate Universe, but it's interesting. They're trying to make him seem like he is otherworldly in a sense with that subtle bit. But I'm I'm really hopeful for this run. I, I enjoy Zeb Wells. He, a lot of his work was my favorite on Spider-Man Beyond, so... I'm very interested to see where we're going to go with this, especially once we find out what it, whatever it is that Peter did that now everybody kind of hates him. I'm interested to see. <laughs> yeah, that is the storyline. Everybody seems to hate Peter, but we don't know what caused it. Uh, we weren't witness to that. It's it, there's a there's a six month jump forward early in the book, uh, and you don't know what happened transpired in that six months. There's a cl- great cliffhanger at the end of the episode regarding Mary Jane. Um, you, the knowledge you go in with the, this is that, uh, Peter had roommates and that the Kingpin is no longer mayor of New York because of, uh, the events in the daredevil book, um, which was a pretty damn good book too. Mm-hmm. Um, Very good. so this is a great jumping on point for Spider-Man and you get to read it with like the best artist in comics. In my opinion, he can draw anything. John Romita Jr. has been great. Um, and I think this is better work than he was giving Mar, uh, DC. I feel like his DC work wasn't as you know there was something about the dc work that wasn't working for me on superman but here on uh on amazing spider-man it's pretty good uh world's finest let's talk about dc real quick just two two word like seconds can we just talk about how mark wade's world finest is a really fun book if you want to read some batman superman team up stuff and morris R and is incredible yeah, and Doom Patrol's in yeah. in this, the book too. So I know that I pretty much strictly stick to some Marvel, but that DC book is really, really good. If you're uh, if you're Jonesons for some DC, uh, Mark Wade's World's Finest is fun, and you don't necessarily have to be like deep cut DC person to get into it. Um, as I said earlier, Derek, who's here, who he loves so much, uh, is the host of a video game show on Geekscape. I would say your host of Geekscape <laughs> well, games too. You. You, I mean, you should be. You know, you don't disappear for 20 minutes at a time. <laughs> I mean, I did that one time back. but my dog was having an emergency, so I think You're have, to, yeah. yeah, you don't you don't just randomly disappear <laughs> from the show and then come back and ask a question that they had just been talking about for 10 minutes uh that you weren't privy to, I guess, cuz you were checking out a fitness app on your right. phone and yelling randomly that it could connect with your Fitbit. You know we're talking about you, Shane. We love you, Shane. Um, but hey, man, <laughs> dude, listen to this Xbox Game Pass. It's really well hosted. All right, <laughs> you got this news that Square Enix, who started, who, they do the uh, Tomb Raider games, yeah. 
uh, they're selling Eidos Interactive. What what's the big story here? Yeah, it's it kind of came out of nowhere, and I, I think there's been rumors for a while that Square Enix as a whole might be or could have been acquired by someone. There was rumors that Sony was interested, and in, and you know, it's could just be hearsay. But you know, it seems like they're worth a lot less now because they're selling off not just not just Crystal Dynamics who did the the Tomb Raider reboot trilogy, which everyone loved, but they also did the Avengers game. They did the Guardians of the Galaxy game that came out last fall, uh, which was excellent. Um, you know, Crystal Dynamics, but also Eidos Montreal uh, and Square Enix Montreal. They're all being sold off to uh, a company called the Embracer Group, which is like this company that just keeps acquiring game studios and they own Gearbox, and they own THQ Nordique and and they own a, a ton, tons of other companies at this point. But Square Enix is selling off these three companies along with the IPs. So Tomb Raider is now owned by this or will be owned by this company. It's a plan to purchase, basically. Um, Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, uh, Thief, the Legacy of Kane uh, franchise, all of that stuff will be owned by this new company as well. Um, for just like $300 million, which seems like a pretty small, you know, with the huge, huge acquisitions we've seen over the past few years with Bethesda and with, um, you know, now Activision and even some of the companies Sony has been purchasing, like these are generally like billion plus dollar deals. It's crazy to think that those developers and, and the games that they've made and the IPs themselves, $300 million feels like uh, a very small amount for it. And weirdly enough, it's a, you know, uh, like Guardians of the Galaxy sold really well. <laughs> Square Enix said it underperformed still. I don't know how many copies of a game you need to sell to to be a success these days um but part of the part of like square enix's release when they talked about how it will like affect them and what their plans are for like the money it was like talking about um moving forward with investments in the fields including blockchain ai and the cloud so um you know are they pulling out konami and are they gonna just slowly stop making video games like konami has or that was like chico boards how and how like dis i don't know i i don't know what the the culture or the morale is like within these studios but how like disheartening must it be to feel like we're selling you for not that much money because the blockchain you know we gotta get them nfts and the crypto and and that sort of that's crazy when you think about atari basically taking their properties and making vegas machines yeah or you think about like Resident Evil being a Vegas machine and stuff like that. You're just like, what are you doing? I mean, I would think that Tomb Raider alone is worth a hundred million. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like though that trilogy, like the trilogy, all sorts of different things. They got like eight, you know, critically eights and nines and nine and a halfs, like across that trilogy. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was fantastic, and it was, and especially like to take a series which, you know, uh, in the like PS1 area, like came out and and was amazing and was a tour de force, and then just slowly kind of fall into obscurity and and some terrible video games and to resurrect it from that and do what they did, um, you know, and then, you know, Avengers is whatever, but <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy was like, well, they don't own those, but I heard they don't own the IPs, but the, the, yeah, the, the, the studio that made them is now going to be out of Square Enix as well. So I'm sorry um, for your loss. Dude. Yeah, it's, it's, I really it's am sad. sorry for your loss. I know this is hard for you. <laughs> you already lost Activision. <laughs> I mean, I Activision, the Activision one I'm, I'm all for because it means more free games on Game Pass. So, uh. do you think that uh, this company that is acquiring Square Enix or at least acquiring Eidos Interactive and acquiring all these disparate pieces, do you think that they're kind of seeing a vacuum in the Activision, you know, shakiness? And going for making this giant, massive yeah, I wonder. video game conglomerate. And like, I mean, it seems like the business has become acquisition after acquisition after acquisition. Sure. And and I think that that's, 
that it feels like that is going to continue for the foreseeable future. And there's only that pool is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure that they'll jump on, you know, they own like a lot of like deep silver they bought as well. They bought three realms. So the creators of Duke Nukem, um, deep rock galactic, the developer, which is a, a great, yeah, like, it sounds like an arms race. Game. Like it's, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, as long as I still get my return to monkey Island over at LucasArts, <laughs> I think go, I'm yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gear, Gearbox, they own Metro, they own Borderlands, like all, you know. Borderlands is an Borderlands exploitable is franchise. franchise. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Deus Ex and Thief are exploitable totally. franchises. Yeah, yeah. Now that Sonic the Hedgehog has taught us how to make good video game movies, I think those are exploitable franchises. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you knew I had to mention Sonic. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, listen, Derek, we, we can talk all night, and I know you geeks gave us one longer geeks gave us, <laughs> but while we're talking about the the geek transmedia and taking certain properties and putting them into other things, <laughs> um, Derek, his friends over in Canada started a a church. Oh no! Um, and this this church is called uh, the Church of the Rock. Church of the Rock. Yeah. It's an interdenominational multi site church in Winnipeg, Canada. And what they do is they put on these theatrical productions using pop culture stuff like the Adventures. Yeah. And Back to the Future, Pirates of the Caribbean, but they work like pop music into them, uh, and like and, turn them uh, into Easter stories. I think like they turn them into Eastern yeah. resurre- like Easter resurrection stories. Geekscapus, if you're watching on video, I just got to share this with you. This is um, this it's is actually just it's downloaded else. this. Yeah. Uh, this is the crucifixion of Tony Stark, and they all right. start. Um, when, when you sent it, this to me too, I thought it was just a Hawkeye deleted scene or something. Like it, it looks like something out of the Rogers musical. <laughs> we're, we're not that we're not that lucky. Uh, this is uh, Tony Stark getting crucified, and Chumbawamba starts to play. I'm just going to go ahead and play this music. You, you enjoy this, Geeks gave us. You know, Iron Man. I may have missed the point, but I'm sure you'll get the hang of it. <laughs> It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world. And they're crucifying as we know it. Loki singing. I feel they're crucifying fine. Iron Man. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Never gonna That's keep Iron Man down. singing. Really, it's Jesus. But singing. I get up again. Iron Man on the cross. Yeah, I, this is. Uh, I'm going to need you to go over there and figure out what the hell is going on. Okay. I mean, Canada is a small place, you know. Like, yeah, they're in Winnipeg. Yeah, it's like yeah. 20 minutes from probably. You. probably I need you to go over there and figure out what the hell's going on in that that wasteland. I'll infiltrate this. it and, and work on a documentary podcast series. And yeah. <laughs> you need to infiltrate the the Church of Rock. The Back to the Future one was really good too. He gets like crucified on the clock. Like. <laughs> I'm not it's doing not, this. Yeah. I'm not doing that. And sure, the Pirates of the Caribbean one, he's crucified up on the, the mast <laughs> head or something. I'm sure it's all like, oh, let's figure out how to get this pop culture icon to be like crucified on something. Mm-hmm. Son of the Hedgehog's going to get crucified on a giant ring. I'm sure just going to keep going and going and going. Uh, you got to go over there, Derek. You got to you gotta apply for membership. You got to get saved, buddy. And we need, we need a hard-hitting reporting. I mean, listen, I think we just... just 
it's okay if we cancel some of your podcasts and just like have you focus as our investigative reporter here at Geekscape. We'll from the come. inside, take it down. Right? Yeah. We yeah. need you to do this. How much, I mean, we got Garrett here, master of the media. He's coming in hot with his brand new podcast. What have you done for us lately here, Derek? You I disappeared mean, they, for, for like do, two you know, years. That's the real question. What yeah. I, I mean, Xbox Game Passenger was gone for like a year and a half. Geekscape Games, well, thankfully that was gone. But <laughs> what have you done for us lately here yeah, on Geekscape? Yeah. Okay, Matt Kelly's over here adding shows every 20 minutes. We need you to become our yeah, investigator. Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll mm-hmm. be in one of those new shows. Okay. You're going to have to be the hard-hitting <laughs> journalism that people turn to Geekscape for. Uh, I mean, what else are we here? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough. I can smell dinner being cooked in the other room. <laughs> And it smells great. Thank you, Heidi. I love you. Uh, we should get married. We are going to get married. Um, all right, Geekscapists. As if I haven't plugged them enough, this is my buddy Derek, and he hosts the Xbox Game Passengers. That's a podcast that you can find on your podcast app right now. And while you're on that podcast app, throw another subscribe to our good friend Garrett Briones. He's the host of Masters of the Media. And he does, uh, I think he did a pretty damn good job here on Geekscape about telling you eloquently uh some of his justifications for enjoying things like fast and the furious spider-man etc and you're gonna get a whole lot more of it if you subscribe to his podcast masters of the media i have to say uh, I'm, I'm leaving here feeling very inferior because he sounds like he knows everything about everything so he's my word yeah, free yeah, time yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got a lot of free time uh derek where can we follow you on the socials yeah i am uh, at d cranavelt on twitter and that's pretty much it garrett uh, you can find me on Instagram at Garrett Briones on Twitter, Garrett S. Briones. And as London said, uh, Masters of the Media, new episode tomorrow about my first PA gig, uh, talking about my love of Sam Raimi and doing a little quick deep dive into Doctor Strange 2016 while I talk about why it's a personal favorite of mine. That sounds like that a sounds blast. fantastic. I, I'm interested in your first PA gig. I loved my first PA gig. Uh, I was on a, my favorite show at the time. So, Ooh. yeah. Y'all are uh, y'all are really bringing the heat. I got to start making this content a little better here over on the main Geekscape flagship show, or else y'all are going to put me out of business. Um, Geekscape is we're on the road to Comic Con in two months. We're going to be pretty much cl- like headed to San Diego. Uh, I think Comic Con preview nights on the twentieth of July, so it's getting really close. Oh. Uh, I know we have so much work to do, uh, but we enjoy you being a part of it. I really appreciate you all listening to Geekscape, watching Geekscape, fitting Geekscape into your busy week. Um, really share it with your friends. That helps a whole lot if you go to your podcatcher. I know that we can now do this on Spotify. Leave a review. Five stars really helps us out. And with more visibility, with more numbers, we can do things like invite other people onto Geekscape uh, and you know, share some excitement with them, share them with you. Uh, I do enjoy the interview podcast as well, where I get to sit down with a creator and uh, go in depth on some of their stuff. All right, Geekscapists, uh, share this with your friends. Love you. And we'll see you in a few days for Ian Kerner and I talking a Moon Knight special all about the season and a Doctor Strange 2 uh, special. And uh, next week we'll have another Geekscape for you too. So that's what I get for taking a week off. <laughs> Love you so much. Don't hate create and peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.